James chapter 4, verses 11 to 17. I'm going to do about a third of the message, all right? And then I'll finish it uh, next week. How to keep your life free from the most serious mistakes. How to keep your life free from the most serious mistakes. James 4, 11, starting at 11. Do not speak evil against anyone, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. That's a strange sentence. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Somehow judging, uh, condemning words, mean words, hurtful words against a brother or a sister in the body of Christ. James says that's, that's uh, being against the law. You set yourself up over the law as a judge of the law. We want to look at what that means. You might not get to that this morning. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. I guess none of us does. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. You wonder, what do you mean, boast? All I'm saying is, I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to do that tomorrow. And James says, no, no, you're, that's, that's arrogant. You're boasting. All such boasting, there it is again. So he's, he's hitting on something here. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is, it is sin. Let's pray. Thanks, Lord, for hearing all of these uh, wonderful stories of what you're doing as the gospel goes out into all the world. And let me just pause. Look at me just for a minute, church. I think we all understand our calling as Christians. Christians are all called to do two things at the same time. You are called to show the love of Jesus, which you can do with no words whatsoever. And you're called to share the gospel of Jesus, which is absolutely impossible to do without words. The Trinity, justification, the atonement, redemption, resurrection, the second coming, the kingdom. The gospel takes words the love of Jesus you can do with no words whatsoever. So what are we called to do, Pastor? Don't we're, well, both. We're called to do both. We're called to show the love of Jesus with our deeds and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with our words. And so thank you, Lord, for the way that is happening around the world. And now we come into your house around your word, uh, guide and direct our thoughts. Not just another theological download, but let your word bring life and grace, correction, all that is needed to our hearts. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? This section flows naturally out of 4 verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Remember, I came to the close of today's text, and I said, what is James getting at with all such boasting is evil? You're boasting. You're arrogant. 
Well, he's just said in the verse before this morning's text, humble yourselves before the Lord and, and he will exalt you. And so 7, 8, 9, and 10 of chapter 4, they really are one of the most starkly framed calls to repentance found anywhere in the New Testament. Here's the heart of today's text. We'll just kind of scratch the surface and get into it. In today's text, after just saying, humble yourselves, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you, in today's text, James is going to deal with certain sins which especially harden the heart, not just because they're sinful and and we're not perfect and we fall into mistakes. Certain sins which harden the heart more deeply than just forming a bad habit. Certain sins that feed pride. There are certain sins that feed pride. And if I must humble myself before the Lord to be exalted, then the worst thing I can do to my heart is engage in things that feed pride. Okay, everybody see that link? That's what James is talking about today. God opposes the proud, 4-6. Gives grace to the humble. And so in today's text, because James loves grace, he, he probes deeper and deeper into the whole issue of humility. And he does it by noting two of the most common and crippling forms of arrogance and pride that creep right into the body of Christ. First, he deals with the habit of evil speaking against brothers and sisters. That's in 11 and 12. We'll talk about that this morning. And second, he deals with the habit of presumption in our daily living. And he deals with that in 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. So we'll look at the first pride-building sin today, and we'll look at the second next Sunday. So point number one. Evil speaking typifies the most destructive form of sin because, because it is more malignant and other moral failures. Even as I say that, I want to remind you, Jim Hutchison had his surgery. The surgery went well. They did a biopsy of the liver. They're waiting for results, and he's, and he's recovering well. I just wanted to give you that update. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. So evil speaking typifies the most destructive form of sin because it is more malignant than other moral failures. There are tumors and there are malignant tumors. And here, James is speaking of a malignant tumor. 4.11, do not speak evil against, I want to talk about that word in a minute, one another, brothers. So, brothers, he's dealing with the body of Christ. He's not writing to atheists, he's writing to me, you. Do not speak evil against anyone, one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And James reverts back to the term brothers. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers, because he's trying to highlight the particular wickedness of this sin. The sin isn't speaking evil against others. It's it's zeroing in more 
against brothers, speaking evil. These are, these are planned pain producers. If it's wrong to speak against anyone, for sure, it's incredibly wrong to speak evil against your own brother or sister. Think of your family. Think of, think of a mom or a dad who would run around and just think of rotten things to say about their own offspring. Think about a brother or sister who couldn't think of anything nice to say and just went around and spread the very worst things they could think of of their own sister or their own brother. And James would say, there, there. That's the picture. This sin is of the same family of sin as Cain when he killed his brother Abel. And James means for us to see the rotten nature of our evil words against brothers and sisters in Christ. There, there are two important insights in this one verse. Do not speak evil of one another, 11. Those words are similar but not quite the same as some of the things we've seen earlier from James Penn. 3, 7, and 8. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. No human being can tame the tongue. It's, it's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Now, you can tell from the wording of those verses that James is dealing with sins of uncontrolled speech. That's why he likens it to an untamed animal. It's, it's restless. Words are tied so closely to our emotions, they're sometimes very hard to control. Our tempers, our pride... Words, James is saying, they reveal what's in the heart because of the way they just kind of gush forth. So when James says in 3 2 that we stumble with our words, he, he means, well, he means we frequently regret the things we catch ourselves saying in unguarded moments. That's a good picture, isn't it? Stumbling. Like our, words, like our words can have a dangerous, unbalancing momentum. Uh, stumbling can trip us up spiritually, bring our souls crashing nose first onto the sidewalk. But that's not quite what James is doing in our text today when he talks about Christians speaking evil against one another, 4.11. He's describing not just, not just a different degree of wickedness, but a different type. This is not a stumbling sin. This is a planned sin. When James talks about speaking against one another, he means using words that are aimed like a knife, like a bullet. Words against are words aimed Words with a target. Against so-and-so. And so because this sin is far more premeditated, it's not only more dangerous to the one against whom I may speak, 
but it's far more dangerous to me as the speaker. Whenever sin is planned, calculated, justified, it it hardens the will of the one committing the sin. It blinds the mind more than a moral lapse or failure blinds the mind. Speaking evil against someone feels good. We don't like to say that. Revenge feels good. Wonderful. When we judge others and speak evil of them, it brings the delusion of holiness into our souls like a hallucinogenic drug. And the better sin feels, the harder it is to forsake. And the harder sin is to forsake, the less likely the heart is to repent. And that's what James means. Now we're ready. That's what James means when he goes on to those complicated second uh, phrases in that 11th verse. Look at the last part of the verse, 11b. The one who speaks evil against a brother or judges his brother, and then he says he speaks evil against the law, judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but, but a judge. And so, James labors to expose this this deeper evil of justifying a sinful course of action. We all know Paul's words from Galatians 6, 1, about restoring a fallen brother who has been caught in a transgression. I'm to reach out to that brother in a spirit of meekness because I know that I too can easily end up caught in a transgression, caught unexpectedly like a rabbit in a snare. This is the kind of sin James talks about in 3.2 when he says with our words, we all stumble in many ways. But this sin of speaking evil against my brother, aimed words. This is not just stumbling in some regretted error. James defines this sin more closely and with good reason. He says there's a kind of sinning that doesn't just break the law. There's a kind of sinning that actually sets itself up above the law. It puts the law of God aside as some kind of insignificant factor. It dares the law. See, he's writing to people like me. He's writing to people like you. People who know the law of God. People who know what his word says. People who have heard sermons and teachings Sunday after Sunday. People who have known the voice of the Holy Spirit and have pushed it down into the depths of their stomachs. And that's why James is so passionate when he says, you're you're starting to sin against the law of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit. This isn't stumbling anymore. This is just a proud, arrogant justifying of something you want to say about someone else. It's planned. Speaking against the law, probably, no one knows for sure, the law of God to which James is likely referring is Leviticus 19.18, 
You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Or he may be thinking about Brother Jesus' words in Matthew seven twelve. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So that's, that's the clear voice of the law of God. Jesus fleshes it out even more fully. But it's never that simple when you're the one striking out, speaking out against a brother. I know what the law says, and I know what Jesus usually wants. But I'm removing myself from that arena just for this situation. The rules don't apply right now because I've been hurt too much. I've been wronged. No one else can possibly understand what I'm facing right now. My situation is different. After all, it's only right. Someone has to expose the truth about so-and-so. Man, it just sounds righteous. Someone's got to balance the scales of universal justice. And James is going to say in just a minute, that's true. But that's not, that role is taken, by the way. That's God's job. That is the point where sin becomes high-handed, arrogant, proud, boastful, as we read in our text this morning. It's more than just stumbling into sin the way James describes it in 3.2. The will is kicking in with a kind of self-justifying pride. That's what James means when he says there's a type of sin that's More than just a failure, there's a type of sin, and speaking against a brother is a good example of it, that presumes exemption from the law of God. People who have lived closest to the Lord have always been particularly cautious about this kind of sinning. I say this kind of sinning. Looking at Psalm 19, verses 12 to 14. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. And then, and then keep back your servant from these kind of sins. See that word right there? Presumptuous sins. Let them See, because these sins, presumptuous sins, here's what, here's what they do. See that? Presumptuous sins, those are the ones that win. Those are the ones that get dominion. And if I can avoid this, and I can avoid this, then I shall be blameless and innocent of what kind of transgression? Great transgression. No wonder. Let the... That's where he starts. Let the words of my mouth. Innocent of great transgression. That's where the title of this message comes from. Keep your life free from the most serious mistakes. There are high-handed, proud, boastful kinds of sins that quickly rule the life of the one who commits them. Presumptuous sins are always proud sins. They bring a particular form of bondage because we, we judge them as righteous in our case. We set ourselves up above the law of God. David 
was a wise man who understood if he could just stay clear of those sins, the presumptuous ones, calculated, arrogant, things said against, aimed against a brother, a particular brother. If he can keep his heart clear of those that he would experience purity of heart. And he was so mindful of this particular danger that he does something very wise. You see it in that, in that text from Psalm 19. He prayed in advance. In advance, he prays for divine grace to keep him from excusing himself from clear commands of the Lord, no matter how high his own feelings of self-righteousness and willfulness tried to drag him in that direction. And now, we start to see the context, the proper context for those words. We studied them last week, and they seem so harsh for a Sunday morning text. But where James says in 4.9, Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. I can get very comfortable with a high-minded, against-the-law-of-God, proud form of speaking evil against someone else. You want something to cry about, James says there. Kneel and weep over that one. When you set yourself up in this particular case, against or above the law of God, then it ceases to convict as it should, and and that's why James seems to almost command a, a forced repentance. Be wretched. Be. Do it. Be wretched. Mourn. Weep. Do this. This blind bubble of pride needs to be popped. And so, bring your heart back to James medicinal, life-giving words in 4.10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Say that verse with me. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Say it again. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Did you notice? Humble yourselves. Don't wait for God to do this. Don't wait for any other impulse. The road up is down. Let God exalt your life on his own terms. And everyone said?